Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. We're about to go into a message that I delivered recently, and I hope that it encourages you, it inspires you, and it launches you further in your walk with Jesus. That's my heart for you as you listen. If it does encourage you, why not share it with someone who you think could do with hearing it as well? And subscribe so that you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. For now, sit back, enjoy, and I hope that you get blessed. So we're going to have a fun night. Um, and uh, this is a message that is, if you catch this, this will set you up for your future. If you catch this, when you're caught at a loss, you'll know what to do. And I just want to let you know, and Ben actually alluded to it, is that if you're still breathing, chances are you've got a challenge in your life. If not, just wait. <laughs> just wait. And so what happens? What happens when those things come across our path? The title of my message tonight, the title of my message tonight is Rooms of Breakthrough, Doors of Blessing, something like that, maybe the other way around. Doors of Breakthrough, Rooms of Blessing. And this is a passage out of a couple who lived in the Old Testament in a town called Shunem. Can you say Shunem? <laughs> so the Shunemite woman is actually a remarkable woman. And I love what we learn from her life. She's this incredible, incredible woman at the time of the prophet um, Elisha. And the prophet's moving and he comes into her town every now and again. And what she does is she decides that actually she'd like to host him every time he comes to town. And so she says to her husband, you know what, let's extend our house. Let's not just remodel a room. Let's actually build an extension on our house so that every time he comes, he can stay in our house. And so this is what I want us to read and get our hearts around tonight. It's a powerful thing that will set us up. And I read this and I've read it many times. But recently when I reread it, I was so moved with the key that we find in her action, in her faith. And so I want us to pick it up in 2 Kings 4. Then he... So she's remodeled, she's built a room on the house, she's furnished it, and now Elisha is staying with them again. And he says to Gehazi, can you say Gehazi? Good job, his servant. He said, tell the Shunammite woman that I want to see her. And so he called her and she came to him. And through Gehazi, he said, you've gone far beyond the call of duty, taking care of us. What can we do for you? Do you have a request that we can take to the king or the commander of the army? What is it that we can do for you? And she replied, nothing. I'm secure and I'm satisfied in my family. And Elisha then conferred with, the, with Gehazi, there's got to be something we can do for her. But what? And Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is an old man. And so he called her in. Call her in, said Elisha. So he called her and she stood at the open door. Can you say open door? Elisha said to her, this time next year, you're going to have a son. Listen to her response. Master, don't play games with me. Don't tease me with such fantasies. But she conceived and a year later, 
just as Elisha had said she had a son. And it's an amazing story. It's an awesome story up until this point, except it takes a turn for the worst. I don't know whether you've ever received a promise from the Lord, and then it gets ripped out from underneath you. I don't know whether you've ever lived in the blessing of God, and then just like that, it feels like it's gone. I don't know if you've ever had a day like that, because what happens is this boy grows up a little bit and he's a child. And he's out in the field with his father and he starts complaining that he doesn't feel well. So they bring him into his mother and she nurses him until midday and he dies in her arms. He dies in her arms. And I love her response. And what we're going to look at tonight is what she did before, during and after the disappointment. Her response is breathtaking. Verse 21, she takes the boy's body upstairs, lays him on the bed on the other side of the door that she'd built, the bed that belonged to the prophet. She lays his lifeless body on the bed and then she gets everyone preparing for her to make a trip to go and find Elisha. She doesn't tell anyone what's happened. Can you sense the faith in this woman's heart? Can you sense that? I don't know about you, but I imagine most other women would lose it. They'd start wailing. They'd start confessing death. She doesn't. She takes his lifeless body and puts him in the bed of the prophet, closes the door, doesn't tell anyone and goes looking for the prophet. Her husband asks her, why are you going to see the prophet? It's not a holy day. And she's like, don't worry about it. Just let me go. And so he trusts her. She gets on the donkey and she goes to find Elisha. And Elisha sees her at a distance. And because he respects her, he's like, something's up. He's like, go and meet her and find out what's going on. When Gehazi gets to her, she tells him, everything's fine. She tells him everything's fine. But she continues to get to Elisha. And when she gets to Elisha, it says in verse 21, 28, then she spoke up. Did I ask you for a son? Didn't I tell you not to tease me like this? Do you notice even in this moment, she doesn't confess what's happened? She puts it all back in God's court. I didn't even ask for this. This is not my problem. This is your problem. She acts in this way of, of faith, returning it to God. And Elisha drops everything. He still doesn't know what's going on. All that he knows is that, is that it has something to do with her son. And so he drops everything and he rushes to the house. And it says that when he gets there, he stretches out on top of the boy's body. Clearly not the same code of conduct we live by these days. In verse 32, Elisha entered the house and found the boy stretched out on the bed dead. When he went into the room, he locked the door, just the two of them in the room, and prayed to God. And he got into the bed with the boy and covered him with his body, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hands on hands. And the boy's body grew warm and finally he sneezed, opened his eyes and he 
Elisha calls the woman, she bows down in front of him, embraces her son, and carries him out of the room again. What do you do when bad things happen? What do you do? Where do you go when bad things happen? This Shunammite couple blow me away. Their approach to life, their posture, their hearts inspire me. Inspire me. When I read this, I am moved. I'm moved. There are so many amazing godly people who I know who've made rooms for the Lord and bad things still happen. And what we learn in her story is what to do when that happens. Keys, keys that will make room for blessing and open doors for breakthrough. I love this idea that we can host God. I love this idea that she caught. This prophet moves in and out of town, but I'm going to take it one step further than the rest of the town. I'm going to host him. I love that some of us catch that. Will you catch that tonight? You have the opportunity to host the presence of God. That's huge. It's massive. It's absolutely enormous that the God of the whole universe would be willing to come and be hosted by us. That I can serve him, wait on him, make room for him, feed him, rest him, bless him. It's incredible and we see it all through the scriptures, men and women who hosted the presence of God. And the Shunammite couple were soft-hearted and willing and poised and they made room for the presence of God. We can host God. We can make room in our lives for the presence of God to abide. But the first thing I notice is that quite often, God waits for an invitation. He waits to be invited. More often than not, in the scenarios of the scripture, the Lord responds to an invitation. Now, we know sometimes Jesus just turned up to someone's house and said, I'm coming to your house for dinner. But it happens so many times in scripture that I can confidently say that more often than not, the Lord waits for us to invite him. He waits for us to draw on him. He waits for us to make room for him. And he responds to an invitation. He works that way. I remember so clearly as an 18-year-old crying out to God and just saying, Lord, I realize life without you is a complete loss. Just come and dwell with me. And the response was immediate. He was right there. He comes straight in. And he overextends the request, as we find out in this story as well. It's not just bare minimum, because that's often how we come to him. Lord, even if you don't fix anything was my cry. Even if you never, ever fix anything, Lord, just being with you is enough. And the Lord's like, you know what? That's awesome. And I'm going to bless you over and above because of your heart's posture. He's just that good, but he waits for an invitation. He waits for an invitation. And the second thing I noticed is that this morphed into a small request to like a massive renovation. It reminds me of Abraham when he hosts three men and he's like, let me get you just some bread and water. And he makes a full on feast. What starts out as like an offer, just a small thing becomes a massive thing. 
in our response in our hearts. And Elisha says, you've gone beyond the call of duty. And that that is our response. And sometimes we can hear things like this and go, whoa, that's really hard. No, it's not. A heart that pours out with love and gratitude to the Lord is like nothing's enough, Lord. How much can I give you, Lord? It's not that I'm even, I just am overflowing with gratitude, overflowing with a desire to give you my best, to house you, to host you. And it causes us to go beyond the call of duty, not out of works or out of striving, but out of worship and a desire to love him in response to who he is and how wonderful his presence is. We go beyond the call. We just do. No one has to make us. No one has to twist our arms. All we want is just to be with him and just to give him the best. And it takes us beyond the call of duty. In Romans 12, the Apostle Paul told us what that looks like. Verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Another translation says, devote everything we are and everything we do to God. Now just consider the everything of your life. Everything. And then he says, it's not a remarkable service. It's not exceptional. It's not outstanding. That's just the reasonable service. Everything, Lord. Everything above the call. Everything. And it's about the posture of our hearts. It's not about works. It's about a response. Lord, I just want to pour myself out before you. And then we move on and we find that she responds really modestly to this request that they make. Is there anything that you want? Anything that you need? Is there any way that we can help you? And she's like, no, I'm fine. Everything's great. All I actually want is just for you to come and stay with us when you're here. And the presence of God then finds the thing that she couldn't even put words to. The presence of God identifies the sore spot, the thing that she didn't want to share, the thing that was too tender and too deep for her to share with another human. But God knows. God knows and he spoke directly into that thing. And what I love so much about this is that their sacrificial giving made a way for another generation. I love that God put his finger on that spot and then it opened it up into the next generation. But what I want to draw our attention to, that was all just my introduction. So this is a door, okay? And I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine an extension on a house. I want you to imagine a doorway and a room. And in this message, we see three profound doorway encounters. And the first time she's invited to the doorway, she is childless. She's childless. But what I want us to consider before we go anywhere is the fact that that doorway was once a boundary. That doorway was once the end of herself. That doorway once was the limitation of her home. And she looked at that limitation and she broke through it and built something beyond it. 
It's the spirit of faith that creates a space for God. It's the spirit of faith that builds something out of nothing, that fronts up to our own limitation. I'm speaking to someone tonight. We front up to our own limitation and we break through it and build a space for God right there. Right there. That place where you run out, break through that. Put a door there. Don't just remodel something existing. That place where you run out, break through that. Put a door there. And this is where the miracles happen. In this doorway. This doorway that was once a limitation. This doorway which was once the end of you. This is where the miracles start. And so the first of three doorway encounters, this time she's standing, just imagine, I imagine myself in her shoes. She's standing in the threshold of the door she built. And the Lord gives her a promise. He speaks to a really, really delicate part in her life, in the place she built in faith. Imagine if she hadn't. Imagine if that doorway in that room didn't exist. But she's standing there and he's saying to her, this time next year, you're going to have a son. It is so, so powerful. God calls her back to the place where limitation once ruled, where she penetrated it with her faith. And she stands there. It says in verse 15, he called her and she stood at the open door. Elisha said to her, this time next year, you're going to be nursing a son. I want to tell you, you can't outgive God. I promise you that. You cannot outgive him. And so what costs you a lot, you know, I know it costs a lot to renovate a house. <laughs> I know it costs a lot to build. I know it costs a lot to extend but it was, like we've said, something that she didn't consider because of the faith she had, the ability that she had. But she still couldn't outgive God because what she gave him, he gave back to her many times over in something that couldn't even be measured or quantified. And so we know that then she's promised a son and she has this son. And he grows up and we know that there's a son, an heir, a legacy, but it doesn't stop there. So what happens when the blessing dies? What happens when your light is snuffed out? What happens when things go terribly wrong? When you've given your best, you've spent your time in his presence, when he's blessed you, he's whispered destiny to you, and suddenly in a moment it's all gone, what do you do then? I love this woman's response so much because the truth is sometimes things go really bad, but our response makes all the difference. Our response makes all the difference. She was not given to the circumstance or wild emotions. She was governed by a deeper understanding of spiritual laws. And in that moment of reckoning, she shifted gears. She shifted gears. In verse 18, the child grew up. One day he went to his father who was working in the har with the harvest hands and he complained, my head, my head. His father ordered the servant, carry him to his mother. And the servant took him in his arms and carried him to his mother. He laid on her lap until noon and he died. 
She took him and laid him on the bed of the man, shut the door, shut him in alone and left. This is what brought me to tears. You know, when you've built doors of breakthrough and rooms of blessing, you have somewhere to take your broken dreams. I don't pity necessarily people who go through hard times because we all do. I do desperately pity the ones who had not built rooms. When you have defied your limitations in faith, in the Lord, when you've believed in him, when you've made room for him, when you've created space and held space for him and with him, I want to tell you, you have a place to go. When I read this again recently, I literally had to get on the floor of my lounge room and sit as close as I could to the ground because I realized the weight of this truth. And I'm so grateful for rooms. I'm so grateful for spaces that I can go to with God. She had a place to go. And here is the second doorway encounter. And I want to offer this opportunity to some of us tonight at the end of the service. I personally want to pray for people who have a dead dream. That they need to lay in the presence of the Lord again. I personally want to lay hands on you and impart hope impart fresh vision into you. The second doorway opportunity. The first one, she was childless. The second one, she's childless again. This time she's holding a lifeless dream. Says nothing. Puts him in the place she'd built. Wow. Closes the door and makes her way to see him. What do you do when it goes wrong? When your dream dies? When the future lays lifeless? The choice is yours. You either call it quits in that moment or you lay it in the presence of the Lord and you chase down the prophet again. And I imagine this woman, tenacity rising up inside her. She bursts through that doorway that she'd built. She put the boy on the bed that she bought And I imagine her laying the boy down and thinking to herself, this, Lord, this isn't over because you are in the midst of this promise. This isn't over. And I can just imagine the energy in that moment. And she was compelled by a truth greater than death itself. The promises of God don't die. The word of God does not return void. God is not a man that he should lie. It's not over. And then the series of events. Verse 22. She called her husband, get me a servant and a donkey so that I can go to the holy man and I'll be back as soon as I can. But why today? It's not a holy day. Neither is it the new moon or the Sabbath. (laughs) Don't ask questions. Every good wife knows that line. Just trust me. Verse 25, the holy man, spotting her while she was still a long way off, said to his servant Gehazi, look out there. Why, it's the Shunammite woman. Quickly now, ask her, is something wrong? Are you all right? Your husband, your child? She says, everything's fine. But when she reached the holy man at the mountain, she threw herself at his feet and held tightly to him. And she spoke up. Did I ask you for a son? 
Didn't I tell you, don't tease me with these false hopes? Verse 32, Elisha entered the house and found the boy stretched out on the bed. He went into the room, locked the door just as the two of them were in the room and he prayed to God and he got into the bed with the boy and covered him with his own body, mouth to mouth, eye on eye, hands on hands and he stretched out over him like that and the boy's body became warm. Elisha got up and paced back and forth in the room and he went back and stretched himself out on the boy again. The boy started sneezing seven times and he opened his eyes. He called Gehazi and said, get the Shunammite woman in here. He called her. She came in. Elisha said, embrace your son. Before she embraced the son, she worshipped. Before she took back the blessing, she worshipped. She fell down on the ground in reverent awe. And then she got up and embraced the son and went out with him. I want to tell you a key. Hold your tongue. In that moment, be careful. Do you know why? Because your words create worlds. She never once said to anyone, my son is dead. Hold your tongue. She was militantly tight-lipped. She didn't even tell her husband, her servants. She didn't even tell Elisha's servants. She waited before she confessed anything. And we have to learn to hold our tongues. She didn't give power of negative words to the situation. She guarded the situation until she was in the presence of the Lord. We have to be careful who and what we divulge what we confess, what comes out of our mouth, what do we share about a situation, what words we use. This woman was extremely faithful and disciplined and understood the weight of her words. And when she spoke up, she didn't, Lord, I didn't ask you for a son. I told you not to tease me like this. What was she doing? She was standing on the word of God. Have you ever cried out like that? I have. Lord, I didn't ask you for this. I didn't ask you for this. So if I didn't ask you for this, this is your problem. You've got to fix this. I'm standing on the Word of God, on the promises of the Lord. And just as powerful as knowing when to speak is knowing what to speak. It's so, so important. And she put it all back where it originated. The original thing she said. The original thing God said. This is powerful. And what happens next? We need to know that God honors his word. He honors his word. It's not a question of if, if God. No, no. If he said it, he'll do it. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't always make sense at the time. But if he said it, he'll do it. It is the will of God, no doubt, no excuse, no justification. And we need to know that it is the will of God that he will back his own word. And so Elisha stretches out over the boy and he imparts, and this is a whole other message about imparting vision, breath, motion into the next generation. That's another message. But here in the third doorway we see her with her child again. The third doorway encounter, the resurrected dream. And today I want to stir our hearts to build doors, to build rooms, to create space for God. 
because you never know when you're going to need somewhere to go. But when you've got that space, it's default. I just know where to go now. I know where to go. I've got somewhere to go. The presence of the Lord has been there so many times. Where else would I take this situation? But to leave it in that place. But there's, it's this relationship. The Lord with us. We invite him. We host him. We create spaces for him. He reciprocates and comes and dwells. We have these safe places in the Lord. Could you stand to your feet with me? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.